Hey, everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald, and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're going to find two things in this feed in this season. You're going to find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois, and you're going to find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly, and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're going to find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible-teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. Now, if you have a Bible, I hope you'll turn to Psalm 23. I started last week by saying, that I really wanted to have uh, good holidays this year. Uh, I wanted to kind of like go past some of the memories of the last few years with too many people sick, too many people missing, too much uncertainty. I really want and was hoping and praying for uh, that there would be like just a, you know, kind of when like every once in a while everything just works perfect and it's this beautiful like, man, wow, this is cool. Just like at the end of one of those Hallmark movies kind of holiday thing. And the way that that um, prayer was answered was that on Thanksgiving night, I took one of my kids to the emergency room because he couldn't breathe. It was kind of like, so it was like I asked for something to happen. And this is why you always got to be careful because I preached to you last week this kind of idea of like, um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I preached to you with a lot of faith this idea that like, uh, even if things don't go the way that you want, if you have a connection to the shepherd, uh, you can have good holidays even if the details don't sort out exactly what you're hoping. And God, like he often does, was like, oh, really? That's what you, yeah. Hey, you said that to all those people. You said that to all those people, didn't you? Let's give you a chance to prove it is the way that it often works. And so we've uh, had, I know there's lots of people that have the sickness thing going around, uh, and we've had it for sure in our family this week. Um, but it underscored and reminded me of that reality that we have these ideas of what we hope is going to happen, and so often God entrust to us the opportunity to try to be faithful even when things don't work out the way that we want. Can I get a witness anywhere in the house? He gives us an opportunity. And uh, today I want to preach to you, uh, this is, we're talking about the Good Shepherd for Good Holidays. I want to preach to you today about four promises that my shepherd keeps. I want to just, this is Psalm 23. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. What we learned last week is that uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, what that really means in that first verse is that I shall not want is about what I choose to see. It's not about what I hope to hold. I shall not want is about having uh, this mentality that because I have a shepherd, even when things aren't going the way that I want, it must be good because he's good. And we learned last week that often the shepherd doesn't grant us our wants. That's not like the idea, the Lord is my shepherd, so it's like I won the Powerball, now I can buy anything I'm hoping for. It's that the shepherd frees us from want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I want to talk to you today about these 
uh, second and third verse, which says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's a picture, these two verses are a picture of peace. A picture of peace. I don't think I need to do a lot of work to convince you that most people in our day and time are not living with a lot of peace. Most people are living with a lot of fear, uncertainty, anxiety, uh, frustration, all those things. The picture here painted of the sheep under the care of the shepherd here in this verse is like uh, after-dinner sheep. Like, you know that feeling maybe you had it earlier this week of like, I couldn't eat one more bite even if I wanted to? Anybody get there? Like, I couldn't, I couldn't, not, not two more. That feeling of I have everything I want, I have everything I need, satisfied. Four promises that the shepherd keeps. Here's the first one. When I'm anxious, he will calm. Uh, because sheep are timid, they refuse to lie down unless free of all fear. And because of uh, social behavior within the flock, sheep won't lie down unless they're free from friction with others of their kind. If they're tormented by flies or parasites, sheep won't lie down. Only when free of pests, only when free of worry, can a sheep lie down. Because of this, uh, it's a beautiful picture when it says that the shepherd makes the sheep lie down in green pastures. Also, where this is written in the first century is not like, you know, somewhere like we can picture Iowa being with just field after field after field. In the Middle East, green pastures don't just happen by chance. Green pastures are the product of tremendous labor, time, and skill. They're the result of clearing rough, lock, rocky land, tearing out brush. The promise that the shepherd makes you lie down in a green pasture is the promise that God is both going to remove the difficulties around you and also force you into a posture that isn't striving, but rather a posture of rest. This is familiar ground, but it's true. We live in the most anxious generation in the history of the world. And each generation that comes behind, I know we've got a few generations here in the room, uh, people are more up in their uncertainties than ever. Why? Well, there's many reasons. Many reasons. But in that way, we're a lot like sheep. The reason why sheep are anxious, and this, is, this has been studied, uh, 2016, the Animal Wellness Science Center in Melbourne, Australia, found that sheep have something in their brain similar to human anxiety. Why? Because shep, uh, sheep have no defense mechanism except the shepherd. So a wolf comes their way, uh, a mountain lion, a bear, there's even been reports, and you can find these if you deep dive on YouTube, of eagles swooping out of the sky to kill a sheep. I know, that was a mistake, because you're going to do that now instead of listening to the sermon. That was a big mistake. Reminder, don't do that the next time. <laughs> sheep are anxious because they can't defend themselves against predators. And we are anxious because we often feel like life is outside of our control. I was reminded of, I was talking to so many people on the way in, uh, I was reminded of it this week. When you're in a hospital with one of your children, you have that feeling of, there's like nothing I can do. 
I paid these taxes and drove them to this hospital. That was my contribution. And now, and it wells up in you this sense of like defenselessness. And rather than try to fix that by gaining an illusion of control, what would happen in your mind and heart if instead you realize that because you can't defend yourself, that means it's the shepherd's job to defend yourself. So rather than what we do, right, is we like to build our little, our little kingdoms of control, right? I like working with these people because they don't fuss with me. I like having these friends because they don't fuss with me. I'm going to, the, the one thing that I control is that the table on Thanksgiving is going to be perfectly set. And if anyone comes within three feet of that china within two days of the thing, they're going to hear me yell like they've never yelled because if I can, I just can't control anything else. But you know what I can do? I can make this table setting perfect or whatever, right? We kind of build these little things in our minds and that allows us to feel like we have some control. But what would happen if we just kind of like, opened ourselves up completely to the reality that we can't do, like, much of anything about anything. We can't fix the government. We can't, you and me, like, personally, we can't fix the government. We can't fix the economy. We can't figure out why everybody's sick. We can't fix the school system. We can't, like, we can barely, if you just get to it, we're usually not very good, you and me, at controlling ourselves. So if I, like, can't keep myself from reaching into the M&Ms in the bin outside my office, how could I expect to be able to make the whole world run the way that I want it to run? So instead of trying to gain control, the picture here that he makes me lie down in green pastures is the picture of understanding that the shepherd will defend the sheep. That word there, makes me lie down, I'll show it to you. This is what the Hebrew word looks like up there in a size like eight font, up there in the left corner. Um, that word means that the shepherd, when it says that he makes you lie down in green pastures, the picture is that the shepherd is creating the optimal environment for and forces the experience of rest for the sheep. He makes me lie down in green pastures is this picture that the apex of human experience is not striving, the apex of human experience is the calm contentment that who God is and what he's given me right now is enough. He forces that experience onto me. Four promises the shepherd keeps. One, when I'm anxious, he will calm. Uh, two, when I'm restless, he will satisfy. The second part there in verse two, it says that he leads me. Do you see it? He leads me beside still waters. Even though the good shepherd is willing to lead his children to streams of pure and refreshing water, we tend to stop off at the germ-infested water hole of convenience and forfeit his path to right living. I think you can understand it. That, like, animals can't make it without access to clean water. Pretty straightforward. And so one of the primary jobs of the shepherd is to make sure that the sheep find their way on a regular basis to clean water that will restore them. And they have to be led there. And the picture isn't like of just kind of basically just adequate water. Still waters is perfect for what they need. That's the idea. 
St. Augustine, almost 2,000 years ago now, said this, O God, thou hast made us for thyself, and our souls are restless and searching till they find their rest in thee. He leads me beside still waters, gives me the nourishment that I need, but also the optimal environment for calm and rest. And that goes against, uh, I, a lot of us grew up in, like one word for it is, uh, what's popular today is like grind culture. And it's this kind of like, um, the best people are the people that never stop working or the best people are the people that are always being productive all the time. And uh, it's now, sometimes in some places, people are starting to see the negative idea. Grind culture is the false belief that to be considered valuable or worthy in our society, you must be productive, right? Uh, come here, Lance, come here in this room for a sec, buds. And there's this, um, it's everywhere, it's everywhere, this idea that the way that you know if someone is, should be loved or it should be paid attention to is by their willingness to, to overdo it, right? Who knows what I'm talking about? It's familiar with what I'm talking about. That, like, the best people are the people, you know, I'm up at like 3.30 in the morning and, and, and I like drink, you know, like three gallons of kale and then I like, and then I like, you know, and then, I'm, and then I'm like, I'm still in bed at night and I'm still working and it's just working, 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 the grind, baby. And the problem with that mentality there's nothing wrong with hard work. There's, of course, nothing wrong with hard work. And there's nothing wrong with spending yourself for something valuable. But it is a false thought that my value to God and thus to the world is contained in my hustle instead of in who Jesus has made me to be through Christ. See, he doesn't say that like uh, the shepherd runs the sheep through training camp so that they can make it up the mountain even faster next week. <laughs> Many people here have bought into the gospel of self-improvement. I'm just going to do a little better with my money. I'm just going to do a little better with my body. I'm just going to I'm going to hack the I'm going to cut the corners. I'm going to figure out, you know, I drive to, I go over here to Lake County because it cuts off like three cents off the gas. And then, and then I'm going to go over here and I'm going to, and our lives can, in our minds, be about making things better, 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 slightly more optimal, slightly more optimal, slightly more optimal, while ignoring God and our own needs. And we're a little bit better with our contribution, yet miserable on the inside. Do you see here that God's ideal, come here, bud. God's ideal situation for his sheep is contentment. So like the best it can possibly be is not for the sheep to be leaning forward, going after more, 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 more. The best thing, you're, you're the sheep today. You were the shepherd, I think, last time. Um, so when you look at your life, right, and you look at your, you look at your work, and you look at, um, you work one job and then you coach basketball. I know that, Lance, but you as a second job. You got this new sweatshirt, looking very svelte, looking good. It's a nice fit, as the kids say, nice cut. Um, and you care about your mom and you care about church. And uh, you have like some kind of secret girlfriend that you haven't told me that much about that I'm kind of boxed out of. Yeah. Didn't, didn't deny it, didn't deny it. But like when you look at the, the circle, 
of all the things, and there's people in here that have more things that are trying to take up the space of their life, and there's people in here that have less. But when you look, Lance, at the circle of things that God has put into your life, when God looks at you, his like design for you as one of his children, in this passage, one of his sheep, is not that you would figure out how to squeeze just a little more out of each of those areas. God's desire for you is that you would look at what he's given to you already and you would say, wow, wow, it's enough, it's enough. This, this house is enough, this car is enough, these friends are enough, this church is enough, this thing, it's, I, I don't need anything else, I'm good. It doesn't mean, we talked about this, right? It doesn't mean that we're not trying to keep growing, but it means that the idea that God or I will be happy with me when I've reached something that's still out there is the reason why so many people are so anxious and unhappy. That restless thing inside of us is how we arrive at a place where we have a society filled with leisure, yet people are always exhausted. I can't tell you how many people I met on the way in that you're like, how was your Thanksgiving? It was great, I just laid around. How are you? I'm exhausted. It's because we've confused relaxation and rest. I'll just throw this in there. We don't know the difference. So you can lay around all day and still be tired if you have that gnawing thing inside of you that you should have spent the day achieving something or if you're not happy and joyful and content in what you have but still thinking about what else should be out there. What the shepherd promises today is that he wants to lead us, he does lead us, beside still waters. It's a place of contentment. Third thing, when I'm broken, he will repair. Uh, this is the idea uh, inside that phrase. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. The idea of uh, restoring your soul is not to make you into something better. It is to put you back to original factory settings. This happened to me a bunch lately. I've had a few different trips to the uh, Apple store lately. Um, two, one for my phone, one for my laptop. Both of them resulted in this kind of like, I don't know, but if you give us like $4 million, we can give you a new phone kind of thing, you know? Okay, yeah. And... um. What they always want to do, that's why they always start by saying, is your data backed up? Because what they want to do to try to get your Apple product fixed, usually, is they want to restore it back to factory settings. Why? Because the idea is, in their mind, they, we gave it to you perfect. So if something's not working inside of it, it's because of something that you clicked on or something you added to it or something you did with it or some. So if we can just get it back to the way that it was made originally, do you see, do you see, do you see, it has the best chance of working properly. And uh, this is something that happens to sheep, too. I brought a little video, I think, that I can show you. Uh, sheep fall over, and when they're thick with the wool, they can't get up. This is going to be your favorite part of the sermon, for sure. Check this out. I was going to have Lance act this out, but I thought that would be too much for the... Yeah. So... Um, 
So when David wrote this, he had seen that before. What can that sheep do when they've got the wool like that? It doesn't matter how hard they kick those short little legs, waving them around in circles. Are they going to be able to get back up on their feet again? No, it requires someone else to come and put them back on their feet again. That's what the shepherd wants to do for you today, dear friend. There's people in the room who've fallen and can't get up. That like if the room, people, if, like there's people in the room today that if people knew how much alcohol had gone through your body since the last time you were at church, you would feel embarrassed and ashamed because you think, you think that it's drowning out something, but it really isn't. You've fallen and you can't get up. There's people that are trapped in relationships that people don't know about, people that are trapped in sins that people don't know about, people that are dealing with like the crises of life. There's uh, someone who comes to the church very frequently right now who's on uh, like very, very close, suicidal, like very, very, very fragile space. And uh, there's people like that all around us. And sometimes I have to acknowledge I've fallen and I can't get back up. If thinking my way through the problem would have fixed it, it would have been fixed by now. If trying my way through the problem would have fixed it, I would have been through it right now. Sometimes I need to kind of open myself up to the reality that only God can fix it. it sounds like, you know, a little churchy maybe. But sometimes I just... Western culture, we love to think, I can fix it. I can fix it. I'll just read another book, buy some more Bitcoin. Whatever. I'll just like, I'll fix it. 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 Wonder what would happen in your mind today and in your life today if you said, Lord, I can't fix it. I need you to repair me. I need you to restore me. Lord, I need you to fix me. I, uh, there's this old song, David Crowder, uh, Christian artist, had this line in this old song that I think about a lot where he said, uh, I'd love to start again. I'd love to start again and go back to innocence and never leave. I think about that a lot. Do you ever like get to that, this happens as you get older, do you ever have that feeling like I'd love to go back to 18 or 22 or something and like run it all back again with everything I know now? Just encourage somebody else in the room. Who has that like feeling sometimes? Like I'd love to, yeah, okay, yeah. And uh, some people that aren't as honest, right? I, the... <laughs> Because as we get older, we pick up all this junk, the junk that makes it harder to trust people, the junk that makes it harder to be honest when I'm struggling, that makes it harder to go forward. Like, we've seen too much after a while, and it, that cynicism starts to kind of churn around. And what we desperately need is not naivete, but that beautiful innocence of children, God, to give us back the joy of accepting people where they are and believing them when they say things and having like a, a certainty that the future is bright. And all that stuff that builds up over time, it gets in our way. God wants to repair, um, he wants to repair my past. He wants to take the things that are broken and make them beautiful again. Scripture talks about that. God wants to repair my pain. He wants to bring me to a place where I see the things that hurt me the most. He was using them even when it felt so bad. God wants to repair my purpose. 
if I've lost something or I don't know where I'm going or I can't see what he still has left for me in my life, he wants to repair and bring that back. He wants to repair, this is for some people today, he wants to repair my passion. There's people in the room who God wants to like get you excited about what's ahead of you again. Some of us have lost it along the way. He restores my soul. When the shepherd restores your soul, this is the beautiful truth. When the shepherd restores your soul, you don't look like what you've been through. When the shepherd restores your soul, you don't, and then that's not now, and this isn't going, this isn't like a Botox joke or anything like that. What I'm saying is that you can meet people, and if you knew what they had been through back there, you meet them and you're like, I would have had no idea. I would have had no idea. And when you're going through depression or divorce or bankruptcy or infertility or job loss or whatever, when you're going through something, you feel like often as you're walking around, everyone can see it all over my face. Maybe they can. I don't. But the amazing thing about what the shepherd can and wants to do for you and me is he brings us to a place where we don't look like someone who's been beaten down and God somehow like kept me alive, but I look like someone who barely made it. There's couples who you can meet who have been like divorced and got back together or have been this close to falling apart and have had every terrible thing, and you can meet them now, and you would have no idea because, not because they're faking it, but because God has restored them and put them back together. There are people who have been so far down in addiction and brokenness that they didn't think they'd make it another Christmas or another year. And you meet them now, and they're like helping other people and doing incredible things. And it's not because they won the battle of trying hard and grinding it out. It's because God can do things for you that no medication and no people can do for you. God wants to take you to a place where, yeah, I remember what I've been through, but I don't look like it anymore. He restores my soul. And then last part of the text for today. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For thing, four promises the shepherd keeps. When I'm wandering, he will guide. In the first century, or uh, 10th century BC that this was written into, they were often moving over uh, rocky ground. And sheep are notorious creatures of habit. And so what the shepherds would do is they would set them up on a path to walk over rocky ground that as they walked past it day by day by day by day, eventually there would become a path, then a trench, then a groove, then calm dirt to walk across underneath the rock. That's the idea of he will lead me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. There's something about a path of righteousness that allows us to do things and go places further, faster than we could before. It's this idea of a path. Uh, have you ever heard of the Oregon Trail? Or did you ever play that game that was like real popular when we were a kid? Yeah. The Oregon Trail was a 2,000-mile pathway used from the 1840s to the 1860s to get pioneers from east of the Mississippi all the way to the west coast of the country. In its peak year, 1852, 10,000 people traveled the dangerous journey. Teresa, if you know her, was one of them. It, um, they all drove covered wagons. 
And these covered wagons created ruts in the ground as they did the same, went the same direction over and over and over and over. The first people had to find their way. The people coming along later were able to follow the path that someone went down. What I'm saying is this. God wants to build patterns of behavior in you for his glory. And the way that he's going to do it is not by you coming up with something that no one else has ever figured out before. It's by doing the things that are in his word, the same things that have always worked. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I brought a couple verses that help with that, I think. Um, Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That's the path that left to our own devices we run down. Yet Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will, do you see it? Make straight your paths. What God wants to do in you and in me is build patterns of behavior for his glory. Patterns take time to develop. Patterns are hardest at the start. But patterns, habits, take the simple daily tasks of life and make them permanent. I've had a close-up to see this. Um, Kristen, my wife, she's not in the room. She's downstairs serving the kids because she thought, I've been home with the kids sick all week. What should I do? I'll go to church and serve on Sunday morning. Um, she is the most disciplined person with being in the Bible of anyone that I've ever known like in my life. Every morning when she wakes up, she gets her coffee and she sits and she reads God's word. And I've seen her do that now for a year upon year upon year upon year. And so many of us want to develop the habits, but we get stuck, and then we bog down, and then we get frustrated quick, give up, whatever. What God wants to develop in you, do you see it? He wants to lead me in a path, a pattern of righteousness for his glory. And I'm hoping and thinking and praying towards that for you. How do we keep on developing those patterns? Patterns of going to church, patterns of being in prayer, patterns of forgiving people easily rather than holding on to things. Those paths of righteousness, but this is the last part. The band's coming. We're going to sing in a second. Notice why God wants to build those patterns for you. Do you see it? It's the last part of these verses. For his name's sake. The reason why so many people are so anxious is we haven't yet figured out that life is not about me and life is not about building up my reputation, building up my name, building up my bank account. So many people are so anxious because we think that life is successful if I get to my goals, if I achieve my dreams, if I get to where I'm hoping to get. And it's not about that at all. It's great when it happens. But we were put on this planet to bring glory to the great God of the universe, Jesus Christ. We were created to point to who he is and to point to what he's done. So if you're here today and you're, and you're struggling, like really struggling with anxiety, God wants to help you with it. He wants to be your shepherd. But not just so that you feel better. That's a cool byproduct. But he wants to do it so you can say, Jesus did for me what nothing else could do for me. God wants to heal the relationship, fix the existential struggle. God wants to do all the things that we've talked about here. The shepherd wants to do all these things for his sheep. 
but not so that we can achieve the American dream and be so happy in all the things that we've done, so that we can point to Jesus. He is the king. He is the good shepherd, like we said last week, who lays down his life for the sheep. And one of the reasons, and then we're done, we're going to sing in just a second. I'll just stop here. Uh, you're not going to stop churning around inside until you realize that it's not about you. I know that sounds like kind of counterintuitive, right? Because so many of us have been taught since birth that life is about you're so special. And you're not, let's be honest. Like nobody is really like special. I don't know. You're not special, really. And you're not that great, really, at anything. God's given you a lot of gifts. And there's cool things that can happen through you. I mean, there's like 8 billion people on this planet. Like, most of us are super, super, super normal. And just trying to make it through life. And that's exactly what he created us to do. It's this clamoring that life is supposed to be about me climbing up on top and accomplishing something that leaves us always feeling like, why can't it quite be more? Have this like great thanks, you can have this like great Thanksgiving dinner and then open up your phone and like see someone who like theirs look just a little bit better and then be kind of bummed out. But when my focus is pointed towards the shepherd, and that he has entrusted to me everything that he's given to me for his glory. That's when it all starts to fall into place. So the four shepherds that, the four promises that your shepherd is going to keep, I just want to say them to you one more time and then we're done. When you're anxious, he wants to calm you. When you're wandering, he wants to guide you. When you're restless, he wants to satisfy you. And when you're broken, he wants to repair you. Let's stand and I want to pray. Lord, I pray that the truth of your word has made it into our hearts today. You are a good shepherd. And you long for your sheep to experience and see and know you as good. And so we want to praise the name of Jesus in this room today. Because many of us have tasted and seen through really dark and really deep and really difficult things. That people let us down, but you don't let us down. The system will fail us, but you never fail us. And so we want to praise your name today, Lord Jesus, because you are good and because you are a good shepherd. I pray in Jesus' name, if you agree all around the room, please say amen. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is good news.